You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys were coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sorry. Second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. But you just did it again. Welcome into the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, not much, Shane. We're wrapping up here the first real week back of the season, and uh, we're only one day away, Shane, from pit- making our official predictions for Florida-Miami. Man, I'm just I'm just ready for some football. How about you? Mike, I am too, buddy. we got one more time we're going to talk, and then after that, football has already started. So I am ready, son. Ready. All right, Shane. So you ready to uh, – let's just jump into it. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it, Mike. Now let's go around the league. We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. You know, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice, so you just uh, you get used to it. It's, it's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat. Launch bail. Let's get to work. All right, Shane, let's start in Lexington. Where we got two clips here, and they kind of hit on the same theme here. Let's start it off with Coach Mark Stoops talking to ESPN's Chris Lowe on the fact that his team, yet again, being picked against in the SEC East. Uh, you know, a year ago, everybody everybody likes to use the narrative this year. Well, you know, you're not going to be as good because you lost these 15, 16 guys from a year ago. and. As I like to say, that last year not one person talked about those 15, 16 guys. Maybe in passing they mentioned Benny or Josh Allen, but uh, nobody gave us a chance last year, and uh, I see it's the same way this year. So that's fine with me. You know, uh, it didn't stop us from doing what we did a year ago, and we plan on doing the same this year and continuing to improve. All right, Shane. So this is kind of the theme that Coach Stoops been hitting on all off season. Yes, they got tons of guys. 
off this roster some of you know high profile NFL draft picks like Josh Allen, Benny Snell, uh, Mike Edwards. I mean, just go down the list. But he makes a good point because not a ton of people were giving them a lot of respect. I know I picked him ahead of Florida and I got laughed off damn Twitter. But uh, I was one of the few people that that was in their corner last year. Not as high on them this year. But he does make a good point. There's plenty of players that they got on their roster that we may not be talking about. That by this time next year, we're going to be asking, well, how in the hell are they going to replace these guys? (laughs) (laughs) Newsflash, they replace people every year, Mike, you know. And that's the cool thing about Kentucky is – They've been doing this year after year. Players have been leaving. Players have been coming in. And progressively, his record has been better every single season. Now, he's he's got a tall order with 10 wins this year. But would it blow my mind if I looked to end the season and Kentucky has 10 wins? No, because that's the type of program they are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they don't have a incredibly difficult schedule either. So that's certainly playing in their favor. I think the biggest thing is, you know, something we've hit on repeatedly, how far does Terry Wilson progress? By no means was he bad, and we come to find out in the offseason he was injured, so if he can stay healthy, you know, it's certainly possible he takes that next step. But he, he truly has to develop as a passer if they're going to take that next step. And I'm not saying that he can't, but I'm just saying until we see him do it, uh, I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah, and that's the kind of vibe I have. I feel like the defense has gotten worse, but I feel like the offense has gotten better. So, you know, does it balance out at the end? I don't know because, like you said, we're hearing all the right things from Terry, but we need to see it because he didn't show it last year. Now, stick, sticking on this Kentucky theme, Shane, uh, tight ends coach Vince Morrow, Stoops' uh, ace recruiter here, he was asked about uh, the fact that Kentucky get no respect in the polls, kind of like we were talking about. Oh, Vince must have been listening to the show the other day. But uh, <laughs> while a lot of these coaches give politically correct answers, old Vince, he was not going down that avenue. Let me tell you this. We don't, we don't really – I look at that because it does. It pisses me off. <laughs> I know it does, yeah. But, you know – I hate to bring it up, but I mean, it just you – know. The, the best part of the movie that I always say with my guys, you guys have seen Gladiator? Yeah. When they say time for glorifying yourself oh, yeah. will soon yeah. come to an end. Well, we, we, we start that in about 10 days. So we, 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 our, our guys are working hard. Uh, I'd be lying if they said they don't look at that stuff. And if it don't piss them off, it should, because people still are disrespecting this team. And uh, it ain't like we, we just stopped working. I mean, we recruited. Uh, we developing guys. I mean, you, you, people who see our team see our guys out there. All right, Shane, we like when these guys show some passion, and he certainly did here. He's kind of pissed off about this. Absolutely, man. And if it's already bleeding through the coaches, look, we got the head ball coach doing a – I mean, there was no one else in this room. He's in his office talking to one camera, letting them know that they're disrespecting. Now you got the tight end coach saying the exact same thing. You can only imagine what's being said in that locker room. These guys have got a major chip on their shoulder, and they're out to prove people wrong again. Yeah, and I think this is uh, as much, like you said, if it's fueling the coaches, you know it's got to be fueling the players. I feel a little bit bad for Toledo coming up here in the opener. <laughs> I, I think they're going to they're gonna face a team that has got a lot to prove on the field. I, I'm taking the over. I don't know if we can even bet on this game, but I don't care what the score is. I'm taking the over. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. Where some of the LSU players got to speak to the media here recently. And uh, I wanted to kick things off here with Joe Burrow, 
because you know we've all, we've all off season we've been talking about these receivers we've been talking about Joe Burrow the question marks that I do have for this team particularly on the offensive side of the ball offensive line and they've never really I can't remember the last damn LSU tight end that was a receiving weapon you know they've had plenty of <laughs> outstanding yeah. blocking tight ends but they've never really had that guy as a receiving option and according to Joe Burrow uh, he's got some optimistic reports here for the offensive line a tight end that's emerging and an under the radar receiver so uh, we're gonna throw you let's throw it to uh, joe burrow what about your receivers who's standing out thing interesting to me with racy today yeah racy racy's had a great camp um you know i'm excited to get to see what what he's going to do with his opportunities this year um he's definitely going to be in the game he's a big target that i, I can throw it up to just the yeah, just kind of what he's been through and, and I guess how much you guys are going to count on him. We're counting on Thad a lot. He's had a great camp as well. I'm, I'm, this is really the first time I've seen Thad showcase his talents because he's been injured and hurt just about the whole time I've been here. Um, I've seen him in the off season last year and this year, but this is really the first time that uh, his talents have been on display and he, he's had a hell of a camp. I'm really excited for him too. Joe, you took a lot of shots last year. Obviously, you're a quarterback who can run, but... Is, is there any adjustment this during this camp on maybe protecting you a little better throughout the season? Um, as far as me personally, no, I'm going to play my game. Um, the O-line, I just want to, you know, kind of brag on them. They've had a hell of a camp. They're one of the most improve, improved groups I've ever been around. Um, those five, six, seven guys work their tails off all offseason. I'm so proud of those guys. All right, Shade, so let's hit on... Racy McMath here, because that was the first guy that Joe Burrow mentioned here. And I wanted to make this point, because this guy's only got two catches in two seasons, so it's not like they're expecting him to be, you know, an all-SEC performer. And they certainly Mm -hmm. don't need him to be that. But if they truly are going to spread this thing out and go to more four and five wide, I mean, they got Justin Jefferson, D. Anderson, they got Jamar Chase, Terrence Marshall. I mean, these are the guys that are going to start for them. But you just can't run these guys out there the entire game. You're going to need to rotate them in and out. So to have a big emerging receiver like a Racy McMath and come in and catch maybe, you know, 20, 25 passes throughout the year, I mean, they're going to need some unheralded guys to step up, in my opinion, to really make this system uh, as prolific as it as they're saying it's going to be. Yeah, I agree, man. And who knows? I We may see more stars at the end of this season than we're starting with. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Some of these young guys may emerge and you say, damn, he's a weapon. So uh, I still think that you're trying to find the the five, maybe the top six. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, you know, a couple of those, like you mentioned, uh, Jefferson and uh, Chase and all those guys. Yeah, they're cemented in, but there's there's some other pieces behind them that are just as talented, just young. And given the opportunity, who knows, they may just look as impressive. Now, go a, fir- a step further, Shane. If they have a tight end that emerges, and for any um, LSU fans know this, but SEC fans may not because this guy's not yet seen the field. They got a guy by the name of Thaddeus Moss, and he's none other than Randy Moss's son. Ooh, doggy. He sat out last season because he had to transfer in from NC State. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, they're not – not going to ask this guy to take the game over but if they're spreading it out and throwing downfield they may need a guy to hurt defenses in the middle of the field they need someone that can challenge and threaten defenses in other aspects 
I know we've been sunshine pumping LSU's offense, but <laughs> just the more we hear, if these guys truly are emerging, like Joe Burrow says, um, it's, I mean, it could really work. Did you say Randy Moss's son? Yes, sir. Golly, I'm getting old, Mike. Jeez, didn't Randy Moss transfer? <laughs> didn't he go to uh, West Virginia? No, Marshall. He was up there at Marshall, right? Right. I think so, he started, it was either at Notre Dame or Florida State. I could be getting that wrong, but he played, I believe, for both of them. And then he had to go to Marshall. All right. Maybe he just needs his second school, maybe the one that he needs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so this, one, this ain't the same one he was comparing to, uh, what's his name down there? The tight end at the Saints, uh, Jimmy Graham. This ain't the same guy, is it? Um, no. So, hell, Shane, they may have two tight ends here. Golly. Jeez. They're going to have everybody. They don't even need linemen. They're just going to put the skill player out there and just go with it. You know? It's just open it up, son. It's flag football down there in LSU. Sticking with LSU, Shane, of course, the Tigers, known as DBU, outside of everywhere except Gainesville. I mean, they only recognize – each school only recognizes one DBU – I like to recognize both. They still, they both have a strong tradition, outstanding tradition of developing these defensive backs. Grant Delpit also met with the media, asked about having the best defensive backs in the nation. You knew where he was going with this one. How's your health right now? I'm, I'm back to 100. I'm good. You 100? Yes, sir. Grant, is this the best secondary in the country? This is the best secondary in the country, no doubt. Uh, that's without a doubt in my mind. Um, you know. It's some people that don't believe that, but we're not trying to prove that to anybody. We're trying to just prove it to ourselves. Uh, you know, we're trying to get the most picks, the most plays, most, uh, you know, just, just knowing your assignment and all that. So, yeah, I think we definitely have a very talented group. Uh, just, just his maturity right now, he's very mature for his age. Uh, you know, he's only 18, so, um, but you wouldn't know it. You'd think he's, like, you know, my age out there, he, the way he plays. Uh, you know, he plays hard, and, you know, he knows what he's doing. So. All right, Shane. They're certainly not going to be the best defensive backs in the nation if Grant Delpit is not 100%. He says he is here. Uh, so no surprise to see him talking up his unit. But he also talked up Derek Stingley, which I think LSU fans clearly count on this guy. I don't know how many SEC fans are aware of this guy outside of just the recruiting circle. But it sounds like Stingley's more than lived up to the hype here. He's going to play a big role. He's probably going to start for the Tigers immediately. Do you think LSU has the best defensive backs in the nation? Oh, without a doubt, Mike. Not a question in my mind. These guys are the best. And, you know, all this talk, you know, all this talk about the offense in the offseason and the hype and everything like that, you know, I don't think it's going to take long to realize which side of the ball is the most dominant. And I still think it's LSU's defense. You know, as much as much credit as we're given – this offense that we haven't seen yet, that hasn't produced anything yet, you know, we, we're we're all bought in. But I'm telling you what, it's this defense is is the is the side that if they're going to win an SEC championship, if they show up with that chip on their shoulder that they are the best defense in the nation, then who knows, man? They may be able to give it a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't forget, uh, you know, obviously we're highlighting the DBs, but. They got some monsters up front, like the Flying Hawaiian and uh, yeah, Lawrence baby. and Apu, who looked in the spring game like the most dominant defensive <laughs> player I've ever seen in my life. So uh, they got, and of course, Caleb on chase on. So they got some, uh, they got some players that will get to the passer too. They got all the pieces, man. And it just seems like every week we get on here, there's a new stud emerging. You know. 
Alright, Shane, let's jump on down to Rocky Top. Where Marcus Tatum met with the media here on Wednesday. A couple of SEC, or excuse me, a couple of volunteers met with the media, but I thought the highlight of the whole thing was what Marcus Tatum had to say. It looks like he's going to get the nod at right tackle for Tennessee in the opener. That's not official. They haven't named any starters on that offensive line, but he's really transformed his body. This is a guy that came in at around, I think around 270. I think he's up to mm-hmm. 310 of solid muscle. His fourth year in the program. And he's sick and tired, Shane, of the offensive line being the scapegoat there on Rocky Top. It's been a lot different because we've been going out there at practices at some point last couple of years with like six or seven people who can actually go through a practice, but now it feels good to be able just to get through Indy and go through the team periods and not be winded because we only have six people. Bring them along. Mark, you talked about the mentality that this, that this offensive line has changed a little bit. Specifically with you, can you see a difference in, in the way you play and how aggressive you are compared to a year ago? I'm just tired of losing. It's really embarrassing to go out there and just Everybody just blamed it on us, and just usually is our fault most of the time. So it's just, just want to make a difference. Just don't want to be that whole excuse why we're losing, why this university's falling apart. So. Is the whole offensive line kind of taking on that mentality? You think is it kind of like a bit of motivation for you guys this offseason just to kind of change that narrative? Everybody doesn't say it, but they all feel it in the back of their head because it's just it's kind of like anger because like like a lot of the negativity around the school and like the football team has been on us so it's time to change it all right Shane so I mean this guy sounds like he's pissed off here and all this stuff but at the same point you got to credit him for saying hell he that's probably accurate to say so it's one thing to just come out here and, and talk a big game it's another to go out there and do it and it sounds like Marcus Tatum has personally done it you have faith that the uh, overall unit will do the same this year on the field well, Mike, I've been the one that's been saying it, that the offensive line has cost us games, you know? I don't know if it's unraveled the university or anything <laughs> like that, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm a little upset when we give up a sack or something like that, or we get a two-yard run and uh, when we could have got more yards out of it. So, yeah, I, I blame the linemen probably a little more than I should because that's what I played growing up, so I'm a little bit more critical of that position. So, yeah, I think we are going to be better. And I think it, it's, it is going to start with some of these older, older players on the team, you know, when these, cause we got some, we got some raw young talent. I mean, we've got two of the best tackles in the nation in this last recruiting class, but they're freshmen. You know what I'm saying? It's going to take a while to get their bodies right. Now, hopefully, uh, it's, it's maybe one of those things that Pruitt was talking about later in the season. We may have some of these kids emerge and, and take over a starting role. They may not start the season that way. So they're continuing to grow, continue to learn what the offense is doing. But, yeah, as far as the linemen, how 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 can we take a step back, you know? Because we looked god-awful at times last year. So, Tatum, if you're listening to it, I'm sorry. I love you to death, buddy. I root you, I'm rooting for you. And I hope that these guys did buy in. So, we're, we're, I mean, we're, hell, we're going to find out soon, Mike. Well, you mentioned the freshman there, Darnell Wright and uh, Wanya Morris. And I think it's very constructive that they're walking into a room where the leaders are thinking this. You know Trey Smith is thinking this after mm-hmm. having to sit out so many games. And you got guys like Marcus Tatum. Uh, I know Ryan Johnson, I mean, hell, he's he's one of the smartest players on the team. He's likely not going to start, but I don't think he's taking it lightly. Uh, Jameer Johnson, I mean, that guy's got an edge. So 
just the more, kind of like he was saying here, not only the bodies, but having the right mindset, have, just being pissed off. I mean, that's how your yeah. offensive line's got to play. I guarantee yeah. you the damn offensive line in Georgia's not taking it easy down there. They're they're pissed off too, probably just from losing to Texas and Alabama, you know. So yeah. the, your linemen have got to have this edge, and it, that's where it starts. Well, obviously it starts with being physical, but having that mindset is, I mean, almost as paramount in my opinion. Absolutely. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Columbia. Where we got just a slight update here. We don't have a clip or anything, but I just thought this was an important note because we were talking about this guy on the previous episode here. But uh, to carry on Joyner, Shane, who lost the backup competition there at South Carolina, and he tweeted this out, Shane. It's, it certainly sounds like I know we were, we were kind of torn on this. I was leaning towards I think he's going to stay. You were leaning towards one foot out the door, and uh, he just tweeted out, a blessing delayed is not a blessing denied. I'm blessed, I'm good. And it certainly seems like everyone has taken that to mean, you know, he's taking this thing in stride. He's not leaving the Gamecocks. And I think, you know, in the day and age of, as soon as a guy leaves, loses a quarterback competition, it's, it's fair to say, like, okay, we're waiting for him to get in the portal. I mean, I, that's just right. that's just the way it is. Uh, I really appreciate these guys that uh, – now, I'm not saying he's going to finish his career at South Carolina by any means, but I think you got to stick it out, kind of take the Jalen Hurts route if you can, and I think it will pay off for you in the end more times than not. Yeah, and I don't I don't try to read too much into tweets either, Mike, because that may be something totally different. So I, 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 the thing about it is Joyner didn't lose a starting position. You know what I'm saying? It's not like Helensky's going to come out and start next week. This is still Bentley's train. You know what I'm saying? Right. So uh, he's got time to move up to that second spot. He's got time in practice and, and the rest of fall here to to move up the depth chart and maybe have an opportunity to get on field. Because honestly, I think Joyner still, even though he's third string, has a better shot of getting on this field you know, maybe it's just for two or three plays just to mix it up, a little wildcat type of stuff, than, than Helensky does. So I think the opportunities are still going to be there for him to showcase what he can do maybe when the lights are on, you know. So it's a smart move, you know. I wouldn't want to see him out there past four games, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but definitely, if he can get some playing time, why not? Yeah, and, you know, some players are just better in the game than they are in practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, Josh Dobbs certainly one of those from everything I've always heard about his practice, his practice uh-huh. efforts. And when he got in the damn game, Shane, he was electric. So absolutely, and that's something that Joyner you would think has in his game. We've seen his running ability a little bit. When you got guys barreling down on you, that is something that is the great equalizer that we know he has. So it's yeah, I think it's uh, far too soon to write the uh, write him off. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a long season. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Fayetteville. Woo pig! Where we may have crowned Nick Starkle a little early. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick Starkle, after taking all the first team reps here in practice, he came out on Wednesday, met with the media, asked about it, um, just asked about basically the competition, and it just sounds like, you know, they're not being told anything. It's kind of These are kind of the same comments all over. Uh, but let's start with Nick Starkle, because Ben Hicks also met with the media. But we'll start here with Starkle on uh, his week of practice, getting the reps with the first team, and just how it's going there in the Arkansas offense. You took all your reps with the ones today? Yeah, yeah, today was good. Uh, it was really good, moving the football pretty well. 
we're still doing a little bit of split field stuff. So we're doing ones and threes and twos and fours. And we've been rotating, I mean, since camp's starting. So it's a good day today. He hasn't budged on naming a starter. Do you, is tomorrow super huge for this? Yeah, I think every scrimmage is big, especially for the quarterback position and just, you know, us being able to feel what it's like to be in the game almost with them. Last scrimmage was a little different, a lot of first downs and you didn't really get a feel for how the offense could work when you get off drive going. But I think tomorrow's going to be really good uh, sense of how we can get our tempo going and everything. I think us in the media and fans are making a big deal out of who's going to start. How do you guys handle it in that room? Uh, it's not really even talked about in the room. Um, we've been rotating, same rotation since uh, day one. And we know, you know, coaches evaluating everything we do. And so we've just been on our toes and just, you know, been attacking everything. You guys both expect to play in the opener? Um, I don't really know. We'll see how that goes. Uh, it's, it's on the coaches. It's their decision. Was today the first day you got all reps of one? No, no, it wasn't. We've been splitting. Every day has been different. You know, he'll go with them Monday. I'll go Tuesday. He's Wednesday. I'm Thursday. It's just every day we've been switching the whole camp. You said that when I talked to you on media day that you feel more comfortable throwing a 50-yard bomb than a bubble screen. How big is it for you to have guys like Knox and Burks and guys that can go up and get it in, in this offense being that density to want to throw deep? Oh, it's huge. Uh, you know, we're installing those plays and can't give too much away, but we're definitely going to be forcing the ball down the field. Not forcing the ball. We're going to be throwing the ball down the field this year. we got guys that are going to go up and make the plays as well. How much has it helped you having a guy like Ben who kind of knew the offense already to bounce stuff off of and then to compete with that on the field? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's good. Uh, he's been in the offense, and, and he knows it, and I feel like I know it. And I've been learning this offense since May, and so I, I had coaches teach me the offense, and you know, we got coaches here for a reason, but it is good to have another person who has been on the field and uh, can kind of give you a little bit of the ins and outs that maybe the coaches aren't communicating clearly enough. How much did the so-called volunteer workouts help and, you know, just incorporate yourself with the team and stuff? All right, the player-led workouts. Those are awesome, and that really just got us going off on the right foot. We realized what we needed to work on quickly out there in the summer because we're going against our defense every day, whether it's seven-on-seven seven or just – no pads, team versus team, and we can see exactly what we need to work on, and th those are really so helpful. I mean, that's that's like having a whole season in the off season. All right, Shane. So, I mean, based on what Sarkle had to say there, I mean, it's almost like listening to Chad Boris. I have no idea where these guys stand in the quarterback race. Do you? No. And this was just three of fifty questions on who's the starting <laughs> quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the first one out of the locker room. You know. <laughs> So, um, I don't know. I'll tell you what, out of both quarterbacks, because we're about to do Ben here in a second, you'll, I want you to notice when Ben's talking and when Starkle just spoke, it just feels like there's a little bit more positive vibe coming from Starkle. So, I really do think that he's our guy. You know, I think you were right. But, um, you know, only time will tell, though. Actually, let's just jump to it. Here's Ben Hicks, who also met with the media and basically was asked the same questions <laughs> as Starkle. Last spring, you seem when spring ended, you had real command of the team. Do you uh, still feel that way even with the competition? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think we're all pushing each other and from that standpoint, too. I think we're making each other better um, as leaders. And I think, you know, we're all helping each other. And from that standpoint, like I said, we're doing a split field, so you can't, you're not, you're not getting to talk to everybody every single day um, like you were if we weren't doing a split field. So everybody's you know, taking command and um, has, has had a leadership role, so it's been good. Where, where do you feel like the competition is? I mean, do you feel like it's pretty tight? And Yeah, no, I mean, I think we've all done good things. I think, you know, that's up to Coach Morris and um, Coach Craddock. I mean, I, you know, I feel like I've done my job. That's, all, that's what I've tried to do um, every day at camp is just come out and do my job, take it one day at a time, and 
um, you know, see what happens when, when they make the decision. So. And it's better as a competitor for you to have that competition and or would it be better if you were the standalone number one guy? Yeah, I think anytime you got competition, it makes you better, it pushes you. So um, it's been good having everybody in that room pushing me every single day. And I think it's been good for them um, having each other. I mean, we're all in there pushing each other every single day. So it's been, um, I think it's been, it's been good for everybody. It's been healthy for everybody. So um, I think we've all gotten better in the fall. So. All right, Shay, we're breaking down inflections of guys' voices here. <laughs> There's no one, no one in Fayetteville's giving us any information. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to make of this after hearing these guys. I mean, it just, it, they don't know, you know, who's going to start. They don't know if there's going to split time. They, they don't know nothing. <laughs> it's, it's perfect, Mike. You know, it's why, why do they? I mean, you know, they're just coming off a two and ten season. They don't need a quarterback. Just bounce this thing around, and you know, we'll just figure it out as we go along because that works out. Well, my, the troubling thing for me, Shane. Now, of course, I guess the quarterbacks, you're not going to really say, you know, I'm losing it or I'm definitely winning it. I guess that, that could cause some kind of division, but it just feels so similar to last year when they were just rolling guys in and out. And based on what these guys had to say, I, I kind of get the impression that that's what they're going to be doing heading into this year. And it's critical, not the Portland State game, but week two at Ole Miss, they have got to find the answer going into that game because this is critical for their season. Yeah, but this time's critical. Right now, August, this is – you don't have all – I mean, all year to do scrimmages and practices and try to figure out what's going on. You know, he said it himself that uh, – well, Starkle says, well, I, I was – what did he say? Tuesday and Thursday, uh-huh. and then Ben was Monday and Wednesday. Well, in my mind, that's two freaking days that the real starting quarterback is not going to get to practice with his ones to get to, to establish that chemistry with the receivers. So how is that not a detriment to this team? You know what I'm saying? Like if you honestly, if it's that thin, then flip a damn coin and name a starting quarterback and ride with it, coach. Maybe they'll just uh, switch quarterbacks per series, Shane, and it'll all work itself out. Oh, yeah, because that always works, Mike. Jeez. <laughs> It's so dumb. It's it's just it, this one drives me nuts because he just admitted on wasting practice time. Whoa, Shane's coming out hot. Yeah, we get coach on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Shane. That's all we got around the league, but we do got some Miami talk. So we'll get into our weekly segment here. This week only, week zero, Florida Miami breakdown. I understand the responsibility of what it is. I understand the pride of what it takes to represent the University of Florida, the pride of what it is to have that Gators helmet and put that on. I'll make sure every single player that does wear that helmet, that does put on that uniform, understands the pride and the responsibility they have to what that stands for now and what it has been built throughout the years, the responsibility they have to carry on that tradition. Shane, so Gators have been confident all week. They're talking championships. They're talking, yeah, we're in the top ten. What of it? That's where we belong. 
And then here we got, I, I apologize, I do not know this Miami player's name. But he says if they go 2-10, and 10, that could be a big win for the Hurricanes. <laughs> it's very important. I mean, all that other stuff means little to probably just, you know, beating Florida. I mean, we can go probably like 2-10 and 10 this year, but as long as you beat Florida State, Florida, I mean, I think it's a pretty successful season. Oh, my God, Shane. I mean, <laughs> we're not Miami fans, but... I can recall the time when Miami was dominant. Uh, I, I'm expecting like Ed Reed to come out and slap this dude for saying two and ten's all right if we beat Florida, Florida State. Yeah, we're so is it Jimmy Johnson? <laughs> Damn, his hair would have unparted on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. They got Jimmy Johnson down there talking to the team. Now, he's a hell of a college coach, a hell of an NFL coach. He's got Super Bowl rings, national championship rings. But I'm kind of wondering, do you think any of these players know who this dude is? No. Michael Irvin. Oh, my God. Could you imagine Michael Irvin hearing this? Dude. <laughs> dude. Oh, I, this is crazy to me. And I, I think I understand what he was trying to say. But you, this, I don't know. It just feels like we got two different swaggers going here. We got one guy. It, all of the Miami guys, they're talking almost like they're grateful to have this opportunity. Mm-hmm. And Florida's like, I just can't wait to dog stomp these guys. You know what I'm saying? It just feels like we've got two different teams brewing here. Yeah, and on the last episode, we had some Gators. We had Todd Grantham talking about Jaron Williams and the heat that's coming and all this. So uh, here's a, a brief clip here. Manny Diaz and Jaron Williams himself talking about the upcoming game. And I don't know. I, I'm just not too confident if I'm a Hurricane fan listening to this. A couple more guys. Players have said he's uh, really taking command of the offense. Uh, what, what have you seen? Well, yeah, of course. And, and just it's the natural thing of, of having the confidence of the coaching staff and the team to know that you're the guy, right? Which is why we made the decision. It's why we made it public. Because um, we just felt that that, would, that far more superseded any value in a surprise on Saturday. Um, I feel like it's, it's a gradual process because uh, throughout the summer, the spring, me just, my, my, my thing was I'm going to show these guys that I'm going to work and give everything I got for them. So, you know, I go out there every day and, and I really give everything I had, empty the tank for them, just to show them that I'm going to be a guy that y'all can rely on. So I feel like during that time after time, gradually built that leadership. So then when I was, uh, you know, had the opportunity to be named the starting quarterback, you know, I was already kind of in that leadership role. So it was just kind of carried on. Is the excitement level growing? I mean, you see the, the moving truck out front mm-hmm. a couple days away. Are yeah. You feeling it? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, we, we're all feeling it. We're all feeling it. In your quiet times, have you had a chance to think about just how big this game is and the moment that you're stepping into? Yeah, and um, yeah, it's, I know it's a big game, but, um, you know, that's the thing. Like, me and the guys, we talked about it. We just, we know it's a big game, but our focus is. You know that one play at that one time. We're not gonna listen to the fans screaming. We're not. We're tuning all out. We're tuning all out the noise. All the noise we're tuning in and out, and we're just gonna focus on our assignment. All right, Shane. So once again, I mean, <laughs> does this young man sound like he's ready for what Todd Grant is about to unleash on him? No, not at all. These guys don't know what's about to hit him. Hit him right in the mouth, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's almost like they're you know they're fired up to just be on game day, Disney World. I wonder if they're going to be down there on the train with Lee Corso because, I don't know, I, I, I think this is going to be a big mismatch here. And I, I know we're hoping for a good game. Everyone is. But this, uh, I don't know, I'm not too optimistic after hearing the Hurricanes talk today. 
No, these guys are just so happy to be together. And Dan's just trying to get to the game so he don't have to suspend anybody. You know, it's just like, oh man, they just don't know what's going to happen to them. So, golly, we've been pumping Florida all week. I mean, I know it's the first game of the season, Mike. But damn, you know, you're killing me here. Well, I think it's just going to get worse for you, Shane, because this is going to be a big weekend here. This is the the marquee game. Everybody's going to be watching. So if the Gators come out and roll the Hurricanes, uh, we're going to hear it for a week or two because they're essentially off for week one of the season. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a lot of Gator hype coming up. Oh, for sure. Now, this is, you know, this is something we talked about yesterday. This is bigger than Florida. This is all nation is watching this game. And it's like the SEC versus the ACC. And here you've got the ACC with reigning national champ Clemson. And if Florida drops this damn thing, can you just imagine the black eye it gives to the whole conference? Mm-hmm. And, and then on the, on the flip side of the coin, if they come out and destroy Miami, then it also reminds the nation who the most powerful conference in the nation. And that just feels like that, that much pressure is on this game. So... That's why, I mean, there's a lot of people that aren't, they, they don't root for the SEC. You know, they root for just their team. But I, I do think that it has a direct impact on the other teams in the conference. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think that's going to be a season-long thing. When Clemson plays A&M, if that's a close mm-hmm. game. It, when South Carolina plays Clemson, if that's a close game. I mean, Clemson, I know they're getting all the damn hype in the world. I think Colin Coward said they could be the best team of all time today. <laughs> <laughs> they, I don't think they're going to the college football playoff, Shane, if they lose a single game because their schedule is just is just not good outside of those two SEC opponents. That's right, man. That's right. This is huge. All right, Shane. So that's all I got for this one. You got anything uh, before we hop off here? I got a couple of reviews. All right, let's hit it. This one comes from Domingo Nose. It's five-star, and it's titled, It's Brian McClendon, not McElwain, Mike. Damn it, I think I had sharks on the mind, so I apologize for that. Of course, it's McClendon. I have no idea why in the hell I said McElwain. I said it twice, actually. I caught it when I was editing, but I was like, fuck. That's because we've been talking about Florida all damn week, Mike. Mm -hmm. Uh, Five-star, but this is South Carolina fan. I bet you could tell by the title. Second review. I like second review. I just like hearing my words on the air, LOL. <laughs> but in all seriousness, seriousness, still a great show. I've gone through maybe every college football podcast available on the Apple Podcast, and a select few keep me coming back. This one is the best. You're y'all. The banter, the segments, the variety of coverage, and all are great. Keep it up, please. Brother, I appreciate you. Thank you for that review. That's, we really appreciate it. Absolutely. And this uh, last one here, this one comes from Austin B. It says, five-star, awesome show. Hilarious and insightful takes. Been listening for the past month or so. This has to be one of the best SEC podcasts I've found. Hits every team and spends plenty of time on each team. Can't wait to hear the analysis on the games. Well, Austin, I appreciate you. I appreciate all the listeners, man. Yeah, definitely. We appreciate you all, especially those that uh, take the time to write us a little review because that really helps the podcast. So that's why we like to give you guys a shout out on here. So keep them coming. 
Uh, it's very much appreciated. That's why we're delivering you these five shows a week. I don't know anyone else that's doing that, so uh, we do it for you guys. So just uh, keep supporting us, and we'll keep doing it. Absolutely. I appreciate you all, and uh, it's game week, son. We got one more pod, and then it's football time. Yes, sir. So we're getting make we got to make our picks here tomorrow, Shane. And man, I'm just I'm ready for it. I'm ready. <laughs> Me too, man. I'm ready to put some money on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane. So thanks for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. Uh, hey, you got that noise going on? Yeah, it's what they call a neighbor mowing the lawn. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I can't do much about that one. <laughs> Go tell them we're doing the dash, uh, damn podcast right now, Mike. Jeez. Just kidding. Please don't include this on the... On uh, the okay, I won't wink. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, seriously, I don't want to... Uh, okay, all right, here we go.